Well, I was going to talk about um, the temple of the Holy Spirit tonight, but I felt like um, when I went back today um, to the hotel just for a little bit, um, I felt like um, I was supposed to talk about courage. So I'm going to talk about courage tonight. Is that all right? Yeah. yeah? I'm going to have. I'm going to ask the Lord for courage to talk to you about courage. Um, courage is one of those things that um, that I believe that God gives to us, um, not just to. Um, take risk in, in ministry, but I, I believe that we need courage um, just to, to follow after God. And I, I do believe that we're coming into a time, and I do, um, I, I also believe that it will, be, it will be more so in the coming years where we'll need courage uh, more than anything else. And, um, and I, I find that um, as a leader, I find that as, as a Christian, I find that as a pastor and minister and all those things, that I find myself in situations all the time where I feel like I need courage. I need courage um, to do what it is that, that God um, places in front of me to do. So I, wanna, I, I do want to talk out of the book of Acts tonight. I want to talk about uh, the witness of courage. And I want to I use the example of Stephen. And um, I think Stephen's life was a life uh, that really modeled uh, courage in a wonderful way. And I want to just take some things out of Stephen's life um, and, um, and give a little bit of feedback, I mean, uh, give a little bit of history about who Stephen was. Um, he was uh, one that was in the Bible that was really known for taking Jesus seriously. He really believed um, uh, in Christ. He really gave everything uh, that he was uh, to Christ, and he, he walked it out. He lived it out even unto his death. And that's really what I want to look at today. If you want to turn over to uh, chapter 6, I'm going, to, I'm going to jump around just a little bit because it's really Acts 6, Acts 7, Acts 8 that really gives a great insight to Stephen um, and standing up uh, before the people um, and the things that he uh, was as a man, as uh, a leader, as uh, one that really, um, his whole life was a, a witness of courage. So in chapter 6, it does give um, some different things about who Stephen was why he had such a good reputation. And one of the things that he had, there was really four qualities that it says in chapter 6 alone about who Stephen was, his reputation, what was said about him. In, in chapter 6, verse 5, it says this, This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. So he was known for his faith. He was known for his confidence. I mean, he had a reputation. You have a reputation that's following your life. Do you know that? Who you are? what you believe in, you have a reputation. We have a reputation personally. Um, one of the things that I, you know, all the time, uh, just as a leader and pastor of a church, is I want to know what the reputation of my church is. I want to I have a good reputation of who we are in the city. I, I want to be known as an asset in the city. I want to be known as a place that people can come to, that people can receive what they need to receive, that they don't feel judged, that they feel they can be loved on, that they feel like they can get well. There's certain things that I'm really intentional on that I want our reputation to be. And Stephen was one of these men who had a reputation that he was a man that was full of faith, full of the Holy Spirit. Faith is one of those things that's so attractive. Have you ever noticed that faith is, is one of the, it's almost like a magnet. Whoever really has the most faith has the most influence. That's the truth. Whoever really walks in a lot of faith, it is just incredibly attractive. When I know somebody that, 
that, uh, you know, just being around somebody that I just feel like they always take risks. They always seem to step out. They don't seem to um, allow the, the opposition to scare them so much. It just attracts me. It just, it causes me to want to rise in my own faith. And Stephen was one of those men that he was so full of faith that it attracted the people around him. And he was so full of faith because he was so full of the Holy Spirit. This morning we talked a little bit about, you know, the Holy Spirit and the person of the Holy Spirit and how we need the the Holy Spirit and building relationship with him so that he can fill us so that we can walk in the way that God's called us to walk. So he was known as a man that was full of faith, but it was by and in the power of the Holy Spirit and that the Holy Spirit rested on his life. He was a man full of God's grace. Look down at verse 8. It says, Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, did great wonders and miraculous signs among the people. You can't do miraculous signs without power. You can't do miraculous signs without grace because the truth is even, you know, ministry and the miraculous is not just about signs and wonders of seeing somebody, you know, lame get up and walk. The miraculous is all kinds of different things. It's all kinds of different ways that we interact with people, that we minister to people, but it was in the grace and the power. You don't want to move in power without grace. We need grace and truth. We need grace and power. And Stephen was one that didn't just walk in power, but that he had a grace on his life. Roman talks about that God places gifts inside of us, but he does so with a grace. He gives us grace to walk in whatever it is that he calls us into. It's a wonderful thing. How do we know when God's called us into something? He gives us grace to do it. It's one of the ways that I know, okay, am I doing what God's asked me to do? Yeah, I know if I have grace. If I can do it and I have peace, it's one of the ways that I know that God's called me into something. So Stephen was a man full of God's grace, full of mercy. The people could not stand up to his wisdom. It says in verse 10 that he had a wisdom that nobody would argue with him. Verse 10. They could not stand up against his wisdom or the spirit by whom he spoke. In other words, it wasn't so, so much of who Stephen was. It was what was inside of Stephen. How can someone live a life that his life was marked as courage, as a witness of courage? He walked in a wisdom. Wisdom is a gift. How do we get gifts? Gifts are imparted. You want wisdom? You ask God to give you wisdom. It's a daily thing. What do you need for the day? Then you ask God to fill you with those things. But it says, in fact, this word, uh, the way uh, wisdom is expressed here, only four times in the book of Acts, where it actually means an inspired wisdom. The difference between a regular wisdom and inspired wisdom, it didn't just inspire Stephen, it inspired anybody that heard him. And they felt like they couldn't even, you know, they couldn't even compete with him because he had the words from God himself. It's the same thing that what we find in Peter. Remember Peter, who really wasn't, you know, because he was sort of foot and mouth kind of guy, you know, had no filter. That's Peter. But when God's spirit would come upon Peter, he would, he would talk in a wisdom and it would just silence the people. We got to know that when God calls us into things, when God invites us, um, you know, to um, minister on his behalf or, you know, make choices on his behalf, that he not only fills us with his spirit, but in doing so, that he actually empowers us with even the words that we say. I've been in lots of meetings where I've just sat there and I've been like, Lord, I don't even know what to do here. I just feel an over my head. I can't tell you how many times I've been in meetings like that, where, you know, especially my city, where... Lots of things that we do in our city, we have some protesters. And um, I remember being in this one meeting, and I'm sitting there, and, I'm, and there's just complaint after complaint after complaint. And it really wasn't against anything that we were doing. It was because um, they didn't so much like us taking care of the poor. 
And I remember sitting there and I just go, Lord, you are going to have to give me the right thing to say here because I, I just don't even know what to say. And I remember walking up there and I just felt God's spirit come upon me. And it wasn't anything that was really profound. It was just the spirit of God. I do believe that God fills us with courage by his spirit and in doing so gives us a wisdom and gives us a discernment to be able to communicate things that we would not be able to do otherwise. In fact, in Luke chapter 21, verse 15, it says this, For I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. In other words, God can give you words of wisdom. Do you need wisdom? Ask for it. In fact, Proverbs talks about when you need wisdom that you seek after it. Though it costs you everything, get wisdom. Though it costs you everything, get understanding. We need wisdom and understanding. It's not just about having a wisdom. It's having an understanding to live in the wisdom that God gives to us. So because Stephen was anointed by God, he was called by God, they could not silence him through debate. They could not silence him through the law. So what they did is they killed him. They had to, they had to kill him. They did not like what he was doing. They did not like, in fact, he would stand up And right before he's killed, he stands up before the people that we find in chapter 7. He stands up before the people and he speaks with a great courage. He speaks with a great wisdom. And the people don't know what to do. And so they try to silence him. They try to do it by debate. They try to throw the law at him. And it doesn't work. So then they kill him. They decide to kill him. So turn over chapter 7. This is the stoning of Stephen. Let me read this to you. Starting in verse 54. When they heard this, this is right after he stands up and he... He gives a whole speech uh, with the Holy Spirit on him and in him. And he begins to tell the people that, the, that the, the choices that they're making and what they're giving themselves to, that they're doing all this religious acts, but they don't know who Jesus is. And this is what happens. It says, when they heard this, they were furious and they gnashed their, their, gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open. And the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And at this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices. They all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city, and began to stone him. And meanwhile, the witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and he cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. That was Stephen's life. He was one that really gave all to Christ, and he died willingly because he was walking in the, in, the, in the call of what God placed on him, and it was even unto death. Now, that's courage. Courage is when we know what we're doing is what God's called us to do, and no matter what man tries to do and tries to shut us down, no matter what we come up against, no matter what the opposition, no matter what the resistance, no matter what we go through, we are willing to go through anything to obey Christ. And I do believe that we need a courage in order to do this. And I've seen time and time again where, you know, where people, where people try to shut, you know, other people down. Or people try to shut, you know, what God's doing now. Because they're afraid of what it means. Or they're afraid that they can't control it. And that's what they did with Stephen. They were afraid that they could not control him. They were afraid that here is a man that really believes in what he says. He stands up for what he believes in. And they were so afraid of him. And they were so afraid of his voice, which the enemy will always go after the head and try to shut down people's voice, right? And that's what they did. And so they killed him. And so we find in chapter, uh, in chapter 7 
and chapter 8, we find this whole picture of what unfolds from, you know, the life and the death of Stephen. So he was a man of courage, and he needed courage to be able to do what it was that God had asked him to do. And we see that the apostles, Stephen was one of these men, that the apostles loved him. He was super popular with the people around him, with the apostles. They absolutely loved him. But he also had a whole other group that couldn't stand him. The Pharisees could not stand him. Why couldn't they stand him? Because they could not control him. So the pressure that would be on Stephen to satisfy the leaders, the pressure that he would feel from the opposition that was coming at him, risking his life would be great. There's no greater pressure. And many times we will be, we'll be put in situations where there's tremendous pressure on us, where it, it really does come to the surface. What do we believe? When things get challenged in us, when we get uncomfortable, when we have to you know, stick our head out, so to speak, and we have to risk, and even if we're by ourselves, what do we believe? Are we willing to stand even under great persecution, even under great pressure? Because sometimes pressure can feel overwhelming. And here Stephen pushes through and he, he perseveres through the pressure, through all the resistance. And it's interesting because Stephen is rejected. And I think sometimes we've got to have an eternity perspective. I think we look, you know, at earth way too much. And Stephen was a man in his courage that he lived in light of eternity. And I think so many times when we come up against things, we're just not thinking big picture. We want to sow into eternity. We want to give ourselves all the decisions that we're making. It's, in, it's living our life in light of eternity. And it's interesting because what Stephen had around him, he may have been rejected by man, but it was God that became his advocate. It was God that came to his defense. It was God that, that by his spirit not only filled Stephen, but also put him to sleep when he was being stoned. I mean, that's pretty amazing that God himself came to... You want to be in situations. I know this sounds absolutely crazy. But you want to be in situations where if God doesn't show up, you don't know what's going to happen. That's what I believe the kingdom is. I believe the kingdom is so much living on the edge that we never know what's going to happen. That if God doesn't show up, I don't know what I'm going to do. See, this is how I know if it's me controlling my life or if it's God's spirit in me controlling my life. And it's got to be that if God doesn't show up, this is not going to work. If things work, if God doesn't show up, then something's wrong. That means I'm controlling my life. We live in the place that if God doesn't come, I don't know what I'm going to do. And that really is living a life of courage. Asking yourself, are you willing to say no when it costs you something? Are you willing not to go with the crowd? Are you willing not to go with, uh, with the pressure that people put on you? Are you willing to go against the flow of what everybody else is doing? Are you willing to say no to things that everybody else is saying yes to? Are you willing to live with that kind of pressure and still stand up to whatever it is that God's saying to you? That's courage. And I believe that's what God has for us. It takes real courage. I, I believe it takes real courage to live in what God calls us to live in. It takes courage. Because there's so many times that we get in situations, and, and just like the testimony earlier, of just reaching out, ministering to somebody, wanting to talk to somebody, chat with somebody, pray for somebody. It takes courage. But it also takes great courage to say no to stuff. It takes great courage to say yes to God when everybody else is saying no. Just in the daily living of life, it takes a lot of courage to go against the flow. And that's what Stephen did. He was willing to risk everything to go against what everybody else was doing. And that takes courage. It takes a lot of courage, especially under death. I love this. This is the uh, cadet's prayer that they say every Sunday. 
at chapel at West Point. And I love this. It says, make us choose the harder right instead of the easier wrong and never to be contented with half-truth when whole truth can be won. Endow us with the courage that is born of loyalty to all that is noble and worthy, that scorns to compromise with vice and injustice and knows no fear when right and truth are in jeopardy. I love that. Don't allow us to compromise. Don't allow us to back down. Allow us to walk in courage. It just takes real courage to walk in what God calls us to walk in. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter if you're a nurse. It doesn't matter if you're a student. It doesn't matter if you work at McDonald's. You need courage, and courage is a gift. So Stephen was a man with a reputation that, that makes it through history, and he leaves us a good example of what it looks like to go after God and to do it w- with great courage. And it, the truth is, it's never easy. If it was easy, everybody would do it. If you wait for things to be easy, you'll never take risk. You'll never step out in faith. It's not easy. Whoever said it's easy is lying. It's scary. Sometimes it's downright scary because we never know what's going to happen, and that's why we need courage. And Stephen's call, his call was to speak truth when nobody else was. His call was to stand up and, be, and trust that God would put the words in his mouth just at the right time. Has God ever put you in a situation that for you to stand up and be able to say something and you don't even know what you're going to say yet? Have you ever put yourself in a situation like that? Like, I don't even know what to say? That takes courage. Lord, give me the words. Give me the wisdom. Give me the faith. Just how he walked it out here. I love that. I just think it's so important. Courage is one of those things that at the end of the day, no matter what we come up against, even if it costs us personally, we're willing to say yes to what God asks us to do. And this is who Stephen was. And so his courage actually led to his death. And sometimes I think we, we again, we get scared. We think, oh no, if, if I say yes to God, then he's going to send me to you know, Egypt. Or I say yes to God and he's you know, going to ask me to do this or do that. And it's like all these fears that come you know, to the surface. If I say yes to God, then he might, you know, it might embarrass me or I might fail. Or, yeah, you might. But the truth is, your fulfillment comes, your destiny only comes when you're willing to risk in the thing that God's wired you for. And you'll never be happy. This is the truth. It doesn't matter what you do. You'll never be happy. You'll never have joy unless you're doing the very thing that God has wired you to do. At the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. And most of the time, it goes against the things that we feel really comfortable in. So Stephen's courage led to what? It led to his death. It led to his stoning. But it was in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, listen to this. So much of the time, we think of being filled with the Holy Spirit. We equate that with signs and wonders. And we equate God's Spirit filling us so that we can pray for the sick and raise the dead and all those wonderful things, which are fantastic. And yes, it is part of it. But the Holy Spirit is not just our guide, not just our counselor, not just our comforter, But he's also the one who convicts us of sin. And he's also the one that empowers us through hard times. That's who the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit empowered Stephen. He empowered him to walk through the suffering. He empowered him through through having the courage to stand up and speak, but also encouraged and empowered him in his death. And we have to understand that the, the power of God that fills us, it also empowers us to walk through the really hard things. 
to be able to have the courage to keep going. I talked a little bit about this this morning. God's spirit comes and fills us and actually gives us the power to obey. And so it's not just in all the good stuff. It's not just in all the miracles. God's power actually, you know, gives you the strength to make it through pain and suffering. And do you realize, and I honestly believe this, I believe that the world, world is watching to see how we handle things when things don't go so well. I remember years ago, we had gone through a really hard time in our family. And um, it was just a really hard time. You ever had those seasons where it just feels like one thing right after another? We had about 10 years of it. <laughs> and, um, but there was this one season where I had, I think, four people really close to me die in one year. And it was, really, it was just a very hard time for me. And at the same time, I, was playing, uh, I played semi-pro soccer football. And, um, which was great because it got all of my energy out, taking people out. And uh, <laughs> in love. In fact, I knew, I knew when God was working on my heart because, and I said this actually to my father-in-law. I said, I think, yeah, God's doing something in me because when I take somebody out, I help them back up. Yeah, so anyways. So it was a really hard time. And I remember going, to, and I was playing on a team bunch of young girls, a lot younger than I was, and um, none of them are saved. And, and there was this year that it was just incredibly difficult. And after, you know, all of this loss, I'd gotten a really bad car accident. It was like almost scary. In fact, my sister-in-law says, I, I'm scary. I just feel like everything's, you know, nothing's safe. And it did feel like that. It felt like a season like that. And, um, and I remember one day, one of my friends from the team who I'd played with and I've known for years, not saved, doesn't know the Lord, and she calls me, and she's just, she just starts crying. And she says to me, she said, I've been watching you this whole time. She said, I've been watching you, and I've been watching how you've dealt with everything that you've been through. And she said to me, which it just it rocked me because she said, I just don't know how you have to tell me how you've made it. She said, I just found out that my sister has cancer, and here I've watched you lose so many people that you love, and you still talk about Jesus, and you still, you aren't bitter. And, and that actually spoke more to her than anything else. And I had, I think I had three or four different people on the team that year, at that time, in months apart, call me saying, I just don't know how you've made it. See, I think people watch our life. It's not just about the signs and the wonders. It's about being able to walk through things and not get bitter. It's about having courage to keep going, even when there's so much resistance, even when it feels like, you know, nothing's safe. I mean, that takes a lot of courage, don't you think? And all of us will have seasons like that. All of us will have time, times when, when we're struggling with crisis and we're struggling with different things and we need courage to be able to walk through it. So you want to ask, you know, what's the message of your life? It's not just, you know, being filled with God's spirit to, you know, heal the sick, but it is part of it. What's the message of your life in the hard times? What's the message of your life when you don't see God heal what you'd like God to heal? Or, you know, people in your family, you know, get sick, all of those different things. What's the message of your life to the people around you? And Stephen's life, this is really important, I think, because Stephen's life, in his death, we see the courage that he had in life, we see the courage that he had in his death, but we also see that what God did through 
the death of Stephen was even bigger than when Stephen was alive. So God plans generationally. We have to remember this. God doesn't plan like we do. He plans, you know, he's the, he's the father of, you know, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I mean, he plans generationally. He plans a thousand years in advance, right? I mean, it's a thousands and thousands of years. That's why he says every time that you say yes, it blesses generations, you know, up to a thousand years. I mean, it's a really important thing that we know that everything that we do in this life, it actually affects the generations that follow us. And so in Stephen's death, it, it gave birth to three different things that I think are really powerful, that we have to know that sometimes God will put us in situations and we may not see the fruit right away. We may not see that, that what we're standing up for is what we'd like to see. We may not be able to see everything at once. It's not usually the way that it works. But in Stephen's death, and this is even after his death, he still gets this blessing. Remember, it's living our life in light of eternity of having courage now, but the things that we say yes to and the things that we say no to now, that it affects all of eternity. And three different things happened through the death of Stephen. One, that an all-out attack from the enemy. It was like Stephen was killed, and then there was a whole you know, attack. In chapter 8, it talks about that the church begins to get persecuted. But in the, in the church getting persecuted, that the church began to scatter. And I believe that the church gathers to scatter, that we gather to get empowered, like what we're doing tonight. We get empowered, we get encouraged, we hear about God, we worship Him, all of those wonderful things with our money, our time, our energy, all of those things. But then we scatter and we go off into the communities. And what happened was in the midst of the persecution, the church scattered. And you know what happened? All this kind of stuff broke out. Healing, signs, the miraculous from Stephen's death. From the persecution, the church began to scatter. And I think sometimes we, we look at warfare all wrong. We look at the things that come up against us really wrong. Because many times when we're going forward, that's when the enemy tries to come in and cut our legs out. That's when he tries to discourage us. That's when he tries to tell us that what we're doing doesn't make a difference. And again, that we need courage to keep going. But the truth is, every time that you step forward, of course the enemy's going to try to shut you down. The enemy always tries to go after what you're anointed for. What you're called into. I hear it all the time. People say, I, I feel called to minister to kids. I feel called to give my life to kids. But I haven't done so well with my kids. And I feel like I'm always feeling like I'm, I, I haven't done well over there. So I can't minister to kids over here. The enemy will always go after where you're anointed. And every time that you step forward, what does the enemy do? He wants to shut you down. And I think we look at warfare all wrong. When there's great opposition, it's because there's a great destiny. When there's great persecution, it means you're on to something. Resistance should give you peace. Hardship should actually give you peace. I know this is crazy, but I'm telling you, if you don't have any warfare, then something's wrong. If the enemy's trying to discourage you, that means he's trying to discourage you from something that God's doing in you that he wants to do through you. It's actually a sign that you're on the right track. If I don't have any resistance at home, I get nervous. If I don't have a lot of opposition or somebody, you know, angry or, you know, whatever going on, it actually makes me nervous. And so when something's happening, I'm like, okay, this must really be the Lord. Because the enemy's really trying to shut this down. See, I think we look at warfare all wrong. I think the times that God calls us into, calls us into, that was very, very prophetic, wasn't it? I think the times that God calls us into having courage are some of the times that we just think this can't be the Lord because it's way too hard. No, that's probably it. 
Because the truth, and again, if it was so easy, everybody would do it. That's not the way that it works. Just remember, the enemy's always trying to shut you down, what God's taking you into, where God's challenging you, and that's why we do need courage. It's in Stephen's death that Stephen said, Lord, don't hold this against him. Don't hold this in. I mean, just imagine, it's exactly what Jesus had said at the cross. He's being Jesus. He's giving mercy. He's, he's giving the same mercy that was given to him. He's giving it to these people that are stoning him. That sort of mercy converts evildoers. When we show mercy to people that are, you know, being horrible to us, that don't understand what we're, what we're trying to do, that try to attack us, or, you know, we do have to remember that the enemy is, we only have one enemy, right? Do you know that? There's only one enemy. People are never the enemy. Even when they act like the enemy, they're never the enemy. There's only one enemy. And he just uses people as tools. That's really the truth. And we have to remember that, you know, sometimes the enemy will use people and to say things, and some people know what they're doing and other people don't. But it's always to shut us down, and it's a real sign of courage. I think it takes courage to walk in mercy. It takes courage to walk in forgiveness. It takes courage to let things go. It takes courage to be able to love people that don't love you back. It takes courage to give mercy where people don't show you mercy. All of those things that we're called to walk on in this kingdom, that we give away even though people don't give back to us, it takes courage. Here's Stephen, the very people who are stoning him, and he's giving them mercy. I mean, that is something that's pretty amazing, right? It's one thing for us to show mercy to people that love us back. It's one thing to show mercy to people that give to us, right? That's nothing. But to give mercy and to love people that treat us horribly, that hurt us physically, emotionally, all of that, I mean, that's not easy. And Stephen really was a man that did this. It talks about in chapter 8 that the apostles, you know, when they scattered, that all of these miraculous signs begin to take place. And the word actually scattered there comes from the word seed. In other words, all these seeds were planted. Why were all these seeds planted? They're from the death of Stephen, from the choice that he made, from the place of, of courage. The third thing is, do you realize that the coats that they laid down, who did they lay them at the feet of? Saul. Remember Saul, who then became Paul? Saul, who's persecuting the church. Saul, who was the assassin, that God got a hold of him, and then he became the encourager of the church. I mean, that's mercy. I I love Romans. I love Romans, and I love the life of Paul. It's actually one of my favorite. Because Paul was one of those men who never recovered from what God did in him and what God did for him. And you find it all through his letters, his thankfulness, his mercy, you know, his prayer life, all of those things. He was so grateful because of God taking him when he's on the road to assassin the Christians, and God gets a hold of him and has mercy on him and changes his name. It's incredible. So we see the, the salvation of Paul, that he was actually the one that was giving the approval for Stephen's stoning. And he's actually, the, the coats are being laid at his feet. And do you see real, just after that where he actually gets converted? So imagine even what's happening in the mind of Saul when he realizes the stoning of Stephen, watching someone die full of the Holy Spirit. And when God gets a hold of Saul and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? You've got to know that he's remembering what he saw in the Christians, what he saw in those that would suffer on behalf of Christ. It's a message. When we, when we walk in courage, when we walk full of the Holy Spirit in faith, 
It's a, it's a wonderful thing that people are dying. They want to see that we will still love even when we're not loved. And that's really who, who he finished well. I talked about that this morning. He finished well, even unto death, that he was giving this mercy. I read about the story of this guy named Dirk Williams in the 1500s. And he was a guy that stood up against corruption in the church. And he was imprisoned and he was set for execution. But he, he managed to escape at one point. And he was just about free. And he only had one guard behind him that was tracking him down. And he was, just before he was free, he heard the ice cracking behind him. And this, this guard was, uh, that was pursuing him was falling in the, in the ice. And he realized, he says that he had a choice, that he could either, you know, go back and rescue the guard, which he knew would be the end of his life, that would be, you know, his execution, and that, or he would just, you know, try to get, do his escape. And he chose to go back, even though he knew it was death. And see, this is what I believe as the church, that even though we know, you know, rescuing people, helping people, and I don't mean rescuing people in an unhealthy way, I mean giving our lives to people and standing up for the right things. When we know, hey, this might hurt me. This may not be easy. And Dirk Williams was one of these guys where he knew, if I go back and I actually save this guy who's trying to track me down and take me to my execution, if I actually save him, then I'm a dead man. And he turned around. He realized that he had a choice, he said. And he goes back and he rescues the guard. You know what happened? That guard got saved. Of course he did. Because he realized, oh, this guy actually really believes what he was preaching about. In fact, the guard went before the judge and he pleaded for this guy's life and gave the whole story of what, of what uh, Dirk Williams did. And still, he was executed. And you look at that and go, but wait a second here. He did this amazing act, yet he was still executed. Look at Stephen giving the word of the Lord, you know, speaking the wisdom of the Lord, yet he was stoned to death. Just because we say yes to God doesn't mean it's going to turn out the way we want it to turn out. We just have a choice if we're going to have the courage to walk in the thing that God's called us to walk in, no matter the outcome. Our life is not our own. When we say yes to Christ, it means that we have no more rights. It means that when God places us, you know, wherever he places us, that we have to learn to say yes to him no matter what. No matter what the cost, no matter how people treat us, no matter what goes wrong, we still have the courage to finish well. We still have the courage to say yes to God. And I do believe that that's a gift of courage. And then God places, it's amazing, but right after the death of Stephen, you know what happens right after that? That God raises up Philip. Do you realize that the power that came on the church in Acts that moved through uh, Philip as well, and in fact, it's chapter 8 as well, it talks about that God anointed Philip. In other words, God's not tied to man like we are. He's not tied to organization. Sometimes we see something and we think, oh, this is it, and if God doesn't do it this way, then he's never going to do it another way, and that's just so not true. God raises people up all the time. God always, again, plans generationally, and he raises up Philip, and there's all kinds of these signs. There's all kinds of these wonders. There's all kinds of things that God does through Philip. So the real, you know, point of not even, you know, putting all of our faith in a man, because that will change. We're putting our faith in God. We're asking for courage to walk in the Spirit and the things that God calls us into. And no matter who God puts his hand on, no matter who God raises up, he will always appoint and anoint somebody. He will always appoint and anoint. That's the way that he works. And so he's constantly looking. In fact, I often will see this picture where I, where I think God is always looking for people that will say yes. 
That's it. Do you know that 99% of ministry is just showing up? It's just saying yes. Some of the greatest miracles that I've seen in the last decade have been just showing up. Just going when I didn't want to go. Because ministry is never convenient. And healing's never convenient. And people never get sick when I want them to get sick. That's the truth. And it is just a choice. Am I going to get up and am I going to show up? And some of the greatest miracles, I'm not kidding you, some of the greatest miracles, you know, I'm praying for somebody and they get healed and I wasn't even really expecting it. And it surprised me. And so we never know what God's going to do when he's going to do it. We never know. But if you don't show up, you're not going to see anything. If you don't pray for people, you don't pray for the sick, you're not going to see the sick get healed. If you don't talk to people about Jesus, then how can you lead them to him? I mean, it takes risk. It takes the stepping out. Again, it takes the courage. So courage is one of those things that I think we're constantly asking the Lord for. Constantly asking the Lord to fill us with courage. Fill us with the things that are important to him. The problem with the people that didn't recognize what was on Stephen's life is they got so caught up in the religious acts, and they got so caught up, and we find that earlier before chapter 6 where it talks about, where he's saying, You're so caught up in what you think is important to God. You think the structure is so important. It's not so about the structure. It's not about the outward appearance. It's about what's happening inside. It's about what's happening internally. It's about what's happening between you and God. That's what's important. And Stephen, with his courage, he's saying, you've got this all wrong. See, I think sometimes we think we can't step out. We can't say yes to God. We can't do all these things because we won't do it perfect. No, nobody will. Or we'll get sidetracked and we'll, you know, we'll mess it up or do something wrong or whatever it is. Nobody does everything perfect. And Stephen really saw something that I think is really important. Because sometimes we can, you know, play like, yeah, I'm really following God. Or, yeah, I'm really trying to obey God. And we can give a whole outward expression that we're really after God. When the truth is, our heart is far from him. And Stephen's message was one of this. He said, you know what? You guys need to know. That what God loves is he loves people knowing that it's not about the outward appearance. It's about what's happening inside of the person, inside their heart. Even David. Look at the life of David. If you know the life of David, what did God say about David? That he was a man after his own heart. Do you realize that in the book of Acts, it says that David was a man after God's own heart? But not only that, it was because he served God's purpose in his generation. So let me finish with this. You are here at this time for a very important purpose. There is nothing that would have happened in the prior generation or the following generation that you are called to today. There is a calling. There is a purpose. There are places that God wants to take you that is your time for this generation. And in this time, you have a choice. Am I going to walk in the courage of what God asked me to do? No matter who recognizes it, no matter who sees it, no matter who gets it, no matter who makes it hard for me, am I going to fulfill God's purpose for me in my generation? Because that's your responsibility, your responsibility. What has God entrusted to you? No matter if it's under hardship, no matter if it's under persecution, no matter if it's easy, if wherever God places you, you have a responsibility to serve God's purpose in you and through you at this time in your generation. So whatever that is, that's why David pleased the heart of God, because he did what God had asked him to do. In fact, he said, God said about David, everything that I ask him to do, he does it. 
Everything that I ask David to do, he just does it. Again, there's no way we can say yes to God unless we have that kind of courage. Because the truth is, a lot of things that God asks us to do are very hard, very uncomfortable, and very painful. Very painful. So you just have to make the choice. Lord, will you give me the courage to say yes to you no matter what it is? Give me courage to obey you no matter who's with me, no matter who gets what I'm doing, no matter what opposition I get. Lord, give me courage. And I think this is a daily prayer. I think courage is like faith. Faith that we're trying to follow after God and do the right thing wherever God calls us. Amen? Is that okay? Go like this. Yeah? Okay. Why don't you stand?